This episode of Experiences You Should Have is brought to you by Soul Blends, handcrafted in Oregon from botanicals to bottle, multiple healing balms, salves, and moisturizing products to bring life to your skin. Check out Soul Blends and use the code EYSH to receive 10% off your order. You're swimming off the plateau and you just have a compass heading and it's just blue in front of you and then you're at about 80 feet and coming up from the blue is this pinnacle just rises up out of the seafloor and you can't see the bottom and it's just pretty spectacular. Welcome to Experiences You Should Have, your how-to guide for amazing experiences. I'm your host, Gail Manasco, and today we are talking about an island, a remote island in the Caribbean called Saba. I am here with the owners of C-Saba, S-E-A-S-A-B-A.com, Dive Shop. We have Lynn Costanero, as well as Chad Nuttall, and they paint the picture so well about scuba diving in Saba. Now, Chad just moved to Saba uh, this past May. Uh, however, Lynn has a really interesting story with how she came to Saba. Uh, Lynn has been on Saba for 30 years, and on a dive trip to the BBIs, she met a true dive bum. And this is while she was a financial analyst for a Fortune 150 company. Um, But she and her lifelong partner, John, took her away from the crazy corporate world. Um, They first went to Egypt and then the Red Sea. Then they dove Canada. And then they went back to BVI, Thailand, Indonesia, and beyond. Uh, But then they landed in Saba. And Lynn has been there for 30 years. I mean, that's amazing that this island has captured her attention that long. And this is a tiny little island, um, which has now drawn Chad and and his family to Saba. Um, so they are they're co-owners at um, Sea Saba and highly, highly recommend this dive shop if you're thinking about going. Um, but you may have not heard of Saba. I, honestly, I had not heard of Saba and I've been diving, gosh, about 20 years and Saba was not on my radar. And it wasn't until I was trolling in a Facebook girls travel group where someone was talking about going to St. Martin and multiple people started talking about Saba that they should catch a flight or a ferry over to Saba for the diving. And I'm like, wow, how do I not know about this? And I hit up some close dive friends um, and they had not heard of Saba. So I feel like this is this is an island you can go to that's not overpopulated. This is going to be a true authentic authentic experience and you can experience the ocean how it was meant to be experienced. Well, let's hear more from Lynn and Chad on Diving Saba. 
Well, welcome, Lynn and Chad, to the podcast. We are so happy to have you here today. Uh, so you guys are recording on the island of Saba. So where where is Saba, guys? Saba is 28 miles south of St. Martin. Uh, St. Martin's a major hub in the Caribbean. Uh, it's about 1,300 miles from Florida, 200 miles southeast of Puerto Rico, uh, Three, two and a half to three hour flights from Miami, New York. Uh, believe it or not, we're, we call ourselves an exotic alternative. So you will feel you've gone somewhere really unique, really uh, special, but yet we're easy to get to. Fantastic. Uh, so here you are on this exotic island. Uh, what makes Saba so special? Well, the nature makes Saba so special and the fact that it is not exploited. There are islands throughout the world that sadly, um, sometimes you can't tell which island you're on uh, because you get off a plane and geez, there's McDonald's or Kentucky Fried Chicken or Starbucks and you won't find any of that on Saba. Um, we say it's a blessing that we don't have beaches because uh, we've never had that type of uh, massive building, cruise ships, that sort of thing. So we are really a true nature island that's been protected for nearly 30 years, protected above the water and below the water. So it makes a real difference. So I have heard about Saba's pristine uh, diving there. Could you maybe paint the picture of what um, a dive might look like on, on Saba? Well, this is where it's fun because I've lived and dived on Saba for over 30 years. And Chad, who's with us today, is the new owner. And he's only been here the first time he arrived was in March. So I'm going to paint a picture of uh, what it's like from my eyes. But I think it's also really interesting to hear a new perspective. So I would paint the picture of, to me, every time I fly back home, I just get a smile on my face when we approach the world's smallest international runway and realize, wow, yeah, I really do live somewhere really incredible. And we still hike regularly. So we try to do different hikes because you can't believe when people think, oh, it's a five square mile island, they picture some, you know, tiny little thing. But when you're here, you can't believe how big the island feels because it goes to 3,000 feet of elevation and there's all these different <clears throat> outcroppings from that volcanic uh, uh, beginnings that, you know, you really can see different parts of the island, different perspective. And there's five different climate zones. So that uh, gives you a whole different sense of uh, variety while you're on the island. Yeah. And same with the diving. So underwater, one of the things people really like about Saba is that the diversity of the underwater topography. So we have different types of dives. So we have gradual sloping reef. We've got dramatic drop-offs, true vertical walls, uh, seamounts as shallow as 70 feet and seamounts that don't begin to 120 feet. So it's just really... Uh, quite diversified above and below. Now, what about uh, the wildlife that you're seeing underwater? Are you seeing very large animals? Are you looking small? Oh, 
What, uh, what might you see on a typical dive? We can guarantee sharks and turtles every day, if not every dive. Okay. I love uh, sharks. What kind of, what kind of sharks? The sharks are my thing. Well, they're not woman eating sharks. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you're safe. Um, we have primarily have nurse sharks, Caribbean reef sharks, but in this region, uh, we are uh, really experiencing uh, different types of shark activity. And after living here 30 years, I can tell you that when I first moved here, we only saw the sharks on the deep water seamounts. Mm -hmm. And now we see them at all our dives, which is a really good sign. Um, there's also uh, more and more regular sightings of uh, tiger sharks, silkies even. Um, wow. You know, we could do a whole nother talk show just on the Sabre Bank, which starts eight miles from us. So that's a whole uh, big conservation area in addition to the island. So there's, you know, it's just, it's something else. It's not like your typical Caribbean island. I love it. Now, Chad, I'd love to hear your perspective of uh, what is the underwater topography like when you're, when you're diving Sabre? What makes it special? That was one of the big selling points that brought my wife and I here. Um, most of my diving has been in the Pacific, uh, whether that's California and the cold water or over at Wake Island, which is a part of uh, the Marshall Islands chain, a little Air Force Island over there. But uh, here at Saba, it's very unique to anywhere else that I've ever dove with the different topography. You've got the volcanic kind of structure on the, the west side of the island. Uh, you've got kind of a more organic reef on the east side, more of a shallow, or not a shallow, but a gradual sloping reef. And then you get <clears throat> up towards the pinnacles and where we've got Diamond Rock, Man of War Shoals, and then out at uh, the main highlight, which is our pinnacles just offshore. And I mean, they're just spectacular. You go down there and, you know, you're swimming off the plateau and you just have a compass heading and it's just blue in front of you. And then you're at about 80 feet and coming up from the blue is this, uh, it's called the eye of the needle and it's maybe 15, 20 foot across. And it just comes up the top of it at 90, 95 feet, just pristine, this huge barrel sponge. And almost always there's a, big green moray eel that lives on the top of it and you get to see him when you get there and it's just it's just really impressive because you're swimming out in the blue and then all of a sudden this pinnacle just rises up out of the seafloor and you can't see the bottom and it's just it's pretty spectacular it's wow. actually kind of cool when the visibility isn't crystal clear because then it's even a little you know like what's out here and then all of a sudden it's there and uh, yeah, it's just spectacular. It was actually the first dive I ever did uh, on Saba. Um, and every square inch of it is covered in marine life. So uh, corals and sponges from that great depth all the way to the top. So anytime you have a structure out in blue water, it's becomes an oasis in the desert. Mm -hmm. So because that structure is out, out there, and it has attracted the growth on it. And it's, you know, there's upwellings out there. So it attracts little bitty things and of course, bigger, bigger, bigger things. So when you're diving it, you have to look everywhere because you're looking at this amazing structure 
but you're also in blue water. So you need to be looking to see if there's sharks coming around, there's big schools of jacks. Uh, it wouldn't be unusual to see four different species of grouper on that dive. Um, there's a resident turtle that tucks itself under the ledge. So yeah, it's just an absolute world-class dive. Uh, about 10 years ago, Sport Diver Magazine ran, you know, the top 10 dives in the Caribbean. I think we've even gotten world status on that dive site. And of course, it's just one of 30 dive sites, but it is something really uh, unmatched. Wow. Yeah, and then you get the wahoo as well as tuna that will kind of hang out there when the silver sides are schooling. And it's a lot of fun. Oh, I can just picture it now. I would love, I would love to see that. Now, what about night diving on the island? Um, is, is that? Well, we do fantastic night dives. Um, not only do we have your normal things like basket stars that unfurl at night and opportunistic feeders of tarpon and uh, nurse sharks, and we get different types of lobster coming out. But something that's very unique to Saba is we are one of the last places that you can really see a spectacular show with ostracods. There's 23,000 species of ostracods in the world, and they're in every ocean. They're even in freshwater. But Dr. Edie Witter, who will be back on SABA for the See and Learn program in October, taught us years ago that what makes it so unique here is that in the Caribbean, only in the Caribbean do ostracods emit a mucus bead of light. And the male strings them together to tell the female what species he is. So if you time your night dive, normally it's, you know, 15 minutes before it's really dark for about the first half hour. If it's not too turbid of water, then you will get this amazing light show. And Sabe is one of the only places you can still see that because we don't have coastal development. So there's no light pollution, there's no building. Um, and then sadly, there's not so many places left in the world where that happens. Yeah. Wow. That sounds incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I'm curious, uh, for the topography of diving Saba, are there some steep drop-offs that would allow for blackwater diving where you could witness the diurnal vertical migration? Yes, there is. Uh, that's actually something that we're exploring adding to our offering to customers in the near future. We're not quite there yet ready with coming off of COVID, but we hope to within the next 12 months uh, be able to offer some more unique experiences like blackwater dives because it gets deep really quickly here. So unlike Hawaii where you have to go quite a distance offshore, you'd be able to accomplish that here on Saba with a much shorter boat ten ride. Minutes. Yeah, 10 yeah. minute boat ride. 10 minutes of offshore, you're in over 1500 feet of water. Oh, yeah, you could absolutely be doing some black water out there. Oh, yeah. It's just if you have the nerve. Oh, it's it's the best. It's the best. That's my favorite thing to do. Yeah. Uh, Oh my gosh. That, that and we're incredible. told that, you know, we should have some of these really funky deep water eels out there too. And, you know, the question is, yeah, how deep, how shallow will they come at night? Um, so yeah, it's uh, something to look forward to. Oh, that's really, really quite interesting. You said blue water. And so my mind immediately went to, Ooh, I bet this would be a great black water site. Uh, I don't know. It's my brain at least. And now, what about the the currents? Are these 
are these drift dives that you're doing or um, are you coming down and up off of a, a line? A, what kind of dives are they? Yeah, we don't normally have strong currents. We're normally doing all of our dives uh, with moorings and so that you have an ascent descent line. Mm -hmm. Our uh, currents are more subject to moon phases. Uh, so normally it's uh, not an issue. If we do do a drift dive, we still do it mooring to mooring. So it's a controlled diff drift dive, not a, you know, wild ride. Right. Just pop up wherever you pop up and the boat find you. Oh, fantastic. Uh, so maybe if there's some divers looking to, to check some things off their diving bucket list, um, anything else you want to highlight underwater? Well, the sun. Summer is when we're more apt to see seahorses and frogfish, and we have Ooh. some in place right now, <laughs> as much as you can control where they are. Um, we do get manta ray sightings. We get humpbacks January through April, but we also like people to have realistic expectations. You know, this is not a place you come for guaranteed humpback sightings, mm -hmm. but if you plan your trip at certain times of year, yes, it may be possible. Um, but yeah, we try to not uh, sell something we can't deliver on. All right. Uh, well, let's get into some logistics. How do you get to Saba? It's actually quite easy. If you live east of the Mississippi, I'm assuming most of your audience is American-based, then you can get to Saba the same day. So I'm from the Chicagoland area. I can leave Chicago at six in the morning and be on Saba at four in the afternoon. So uh, all the major air carriers uh, fly into St. Martin and that's European and uh, North American. So KLM, Air France, uh, there's different uh, uh, other like charters out of Europe, but from the United States, Delta, United, American, JetBlue, Spirit, all fly into St. Martin. And then Saba is just a 12-minute flight from St. Martin or a 90-minute ferry. There's ferry service five days a week. Um, and there are flights daily on a little airline called Winair. There's a, yep, yeah, we have full information like this on our website as well. Perfect. And I will include a link to that in the show notes. Um, so we are recording this in uh, July of 2021, and we are still amidst the uh, coronavirus pandemic. Um, so curious about the COVID restrictions uh, for St. Martin as well as Saba. Well, that's also easy. And what is really quite amazing for a little island, we, this little island managed COVID like nowhere else. Uh, not only did they keep us safe during the pandemic, we lived normally throughout it. And now we are so proud to say we think we are the most vaccinated population on earth. We have over 93% vaccination um, on the island. Um, we have opened up May 1st uh, with some pretty simple entry protocols that are really working. So we continue to live uh, as per normal. Uh, so it's very re refreshing and nice. Uh, but in order to keep it that way, uh, there is at the moment, you have to be vaccinated to not have to quarantine. So if you're vaccinated, you can travel to St. Martin 
and you have to be tested, but it could be a rapid test or a PCR test. And it's uh, 48 hours for a rapid test, 120 hours for a PCR test. Mm -hmm. And you have to fill out a form once you have that negative test. But those things take 10 minutes and uh, then it's easy. So you just present those EHAS forms and uh, the EHAS form actually is the authorization that your vaccination card and your health uh, status has been tested and pre-approved. So it's actually pretty easy traveling. Mm -hmm. Now, what about um, when someone's planning their trip, when is the best time to come to SEBA? Well, I've lived on SEBA over 30 years. And what I've always said is you can ask me any question about SEBA, except when is the best time to come? I say, yeah, <laughs> when the sun is shining and the fish are exploding. But we dive year round. We dive, I like to say we dive 363 days a year. What two days we have to cancel, I don't know. Um, you know, it's what we can guarantee because of course, like everywhere else in the world, the weather has become less predictable. Uh, what we can guarantee is the water is a little cooler in the winter and warmer in the summer, but that's uh, relative because to us, cold water is 77 to 78 degrees Fahrenheit. That's our coolest Lovely. That's amazing. And that's going to be December, January, February, and then it's warmer on each side of that. And our warmest temperatures are going to be August, September, October, when the water temperature will be 84 to 85 degrees. Wow. Yeah. Do you ever wear a wetsuit? We actually wear wetsuits. When you live in the Caribbean, you get cold too. You know, you got to remember your body temperature is 98. So anything short of that. And I've done it when it's, you know, August, September. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go dive in a bikini. And yeah, after about 10 minutes, it's like, oh, I'm going to put a wetsuit on. Uh, now, what about hurricanes? Um, is that a concern in the fall? Storms are a concern anywhere. Hurricanes are a fact of life. Um you know, they're the official hurricane season for the entire, you know, Caribbean everywhere is June 1 through December 1. Um, do we get a storm? Uh, the last time we had a real storm, we had not prepared for a storm for 10 years. So, you know, and you get years where you prepare four times and nothing happens. So, of course, it's a concern, um, but it is nature. And uh, especially in these times with COVID, then, you know, anybody should always be wise and have travel insurance, but uh, it's not like we run away. <laughs> now, what types of certifications do you recommend if you want to come and dive SABA? We teach people to dive uh, so we can take from beginners to experienced divers. Uh, by having more than one boat, this is uh, something that sets us apart so that we can split our boats according to experience levels and styles of divers. Mm -hmm. um, of course, if you're a more experienced diver, then you're going to be able to enjoy all of our sites from the early part of your trip. But we also pride ourselves on making every diver a better diver. So if you come to SABA as a newer or beginner diver, or maybe not so good a diver, we guarantee you're going to leave as a better diver. Uh, we regularly work with people to have better buoyancy skills, and to us, that's the most important thing. If you're comfortable in the water and have good buoyancy skills, there's no reason you can't do any dive on SABA. Fantastic. So someone could even um, maybe start their book work, do the their pool work, and then even come to SABA and finish their certification in warm water. 
Absolutely. And uh, even if they're staying here, we can do their pool work here. We have access to several of different, depending on the hotel you're at, we have access to pools to do pool work, uh, or we can do confined water work uh, down at our harbor. Mm -hmm. So if someone wanted to book some dives or potentially even some um, open water scuba diving certifications, um, what is the dive company they should use? Well, they can always contact us directly. Which, without a doubt, that would be C Saba. S E A S A B A. Great. C Saba. Uh, definitely go there. We are talking to the owners here of C Saba. So, highly recommend hitting up this dive shop. Um, now, would you? Would you say that people are diving nitrox or doing some deeper dives here where they may need an, an advanced certification? So that is probably our most common certification that we uh, do down here is nitrox because we have our own equipment here. We bank 32% nitrox. So we generated ourselves here. Very consistent. Uh, normally when we're on the boat testing, we're 31.8 to 32.2%. And highly, highly, highly recommend uh, everybody to dive nitrox, uh, especially with our pinnacles. It just extends your bottom times and helps keep you safer. Uh, we've tried to do everything we can to keep those costs very minimal. I think right now we just do $8 a tank for nitrox. Or if you're here for a week, uh, we just have a one-time $59 charge, and that covers all of your nitrox for the entire week. Okay, now what about uh, people's daily uh, dive or boat schedule? What's the average cost for a two tank dive? $131 for two dives. Um, and yeah, and it's a very relaxed schedule because the island is small. Um, you don't have to get up at the crack of dawn here. Our dive sites are only three minutes to 15 minutes out. If it's a really calm day, then we can go around the island and we would incorporate getting to those dive sites as part of the surface interval. So you actually get to sleep on your vacation. Our taxi pickup time is not until 8.45 in the morning. Wow. So you can get up, have a leisurely breakfast, or even do a little mini hike or something before diving. And two dives finish at about 1, 1.30. Um, we do three dives. We don't normally offer four dives in a day because we're all about quality. So rather than limiting bottom times, we are all about offering three quality dives at premium lighting time. Beautiful. Now for our digital nomads who want to come and work and dive, um, you are three hours um, ahead of Eastern time, correct? No. Oh, no, wait, you are Eastern time, right? You're Eastern, Eastern time, time at this time of year. In the okay. winter, we're... Atlantic time. So we don't change our clocks. So okay. in winter, we're one hour ahead of East Coast, Eastern time. Okay. I got it. So, but you're three hours ahead of Pacific time. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Four right. hours. Well, sometimes three to four hours. I'm from Arizona. So I just know that we are always three hours <laughs> in front of Arizona. Okay. All right. So someone could potentially do some dives in the morning and then still work potentially a work day in the afternoon. Um, is there a good Wi-Fi there? There's great Wi-Fi. During uh, border closures, we actually had a number of extended stay uh, customers who had a great time working and going diving. We actually altered our schedules to accommodate them. So some people said, 
they just had to go early or late in the afternoon. So, yep, there's a, this is the thing about the island. It's this incredible nature island. So you'll feel like a step back in time with sincere people and just refreshing, totally safe. We leave our, leave our doors open, yet we have all the modern conveniences. So we have island-wide Wi-Fi, uh, pretty darn good speeds, you know, certainly good enough to work with. Uh, you know, download movies, live stream sports, whatever. Uh, yet, you know, it's just a, a refreshing, nice, uh, great village atmosphere and great community. Great. Now, what kind of uh, currency is used there? And is there a tipping culture? Well, believe it or not, uh, when we became part of the Netherlands in 2010, they actually made our official currency the U.S. dollar because they understand our the, the Dutch are smart and uh, they really support this island, but they're also very realistic. And they knew that we have basically a U.S.-based economy, so they kept us on the U.S. dollar. Fantastic. And what about tipping? Is that uh, well, common because there? We're- because we're more of the U.S. culture, it is common. Mm-hmm. Um, no one would demand it, uh, but it is, uh, you know, like more like the U.S. expected at a restaurant. Uh, certainly our dive crew appreciates it, but most people feel very good about gratuities here because they feel everyone went above and beyond. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I always address accessibility on this podcast. Uh, would you say that the island... Um, is accessible for maybe people with limited mobility or in a wheelchair? That is one area that I would not say that Saba would check that box. Uh, Saba has very dramatic uh, topography above and below. And as a result, everything is generally pretty steep. Uh, there is, to my knowledge, maybe one wheelchair accessible building well, there's at a the few, government yeah, building. there's a few newer buildings that, you know, newer buildings are required to have it. But yeah, every hotel, every restaurant, there's definitely steps, there's definite inclines on roads. We also say you'll leave the island feeling that you're in better shape than when you arrive. We have dealt with a number of handicapped divers who were, you know, young and fit and, uh, you know, strong and mobile. But it is certainly not something we would promote and have someone disappointed upon arrival. And that's not to say that we don't have our fair share of divers that have knee replacements or uh, issues with their back. I mean, we especially diving, we accommodate everybody to the best of our ability. Put your gear on at the back step, take your gear off, carry it to your spot. Um, we do everything we can there. And I don't hear much about or don't see much difficulties with most people, but there is a limitation when it comes to like a wheelchair level mobility issue. So what if you're you're coming to the island? Are you renting a car? Are you walking everywhere? How are that's you getting another, around? That's another thing people really love. You don't have to rent a car. Most people stay within the vicinity of the main village of Windwardside, and you can walk to shops and restaurants perfectly safe. Some people like to rent a car to do their own exploring, but it's not required unless you're staying at, you know, specific areas outside of that main village. But there are car rentals. There's just not Hertz or Avis. This is probably the only place on the planet that I would feel more than comfortable when my children grow a little bit older of them hitchhiking from one place to another 
I see children hitchhiking. Yep. All I the hitchhike. Time. I hitchhike regularly. Well, <laughs> one of our office staff lives in the bottom, and she, she hitchhikes to work and hitchhikes home every day. Wow. Now, could tourists hitchhike? Do do the locals sure. pick up tourists? Sure. And uh, there's also taxi drivers, um, sure. but you know we can, we also teach people all the time. Like, watch this. Here, I'll stop this car on the road, and they're going to give you a ride. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that that is fantastic. Now, what about the food culture on Seba? Is there something that Seba is really known for? Yes, people are so blown away that this little island has such fantastic restaurants. It's almost a competition. Um, so there's a lot of European influence. Uh, most of the chefs are European. Uh, but they accommodate, so we get groups of divers regularly. We offer dinner dinner plans, um, but they can accommodate, you know, vegan, vegetarian, but also any issues. Obviously, with a reservation, we would tell uh, the chef that. But people can't believe we have everything from fantastic burgers and pizzas to really, uh, without uh, sounding wrong, to gourmet level cuisine. Uh, Couple, two of the restaurants actually fly in uh, specialized products uh, from Europe uh, weekly, uh, but there's also great sources and we also have organic gardens here. Uh, again, a wonderful thing supported by the Dutch. So there's uh, farm to fork uh, options as well. And uh, that's uh, becoming more and more prevalent, uh, but it's really great food and at reasonable prices. Okay, what are your top three favorite restaurants there? Well, I admit that my list is going to be a little bit skewed because I only eat at restaurants that I can take my dog to. Okay, all right. So just putting that out there. And he has young children. And I have young children. Okay, so all right. I mean, no offense to any of the restaurants that I'm not going to list, but probably my favorite restaurant to go to on the island is Shea Buba, which is conveniently located directly above the dive shop. So when we're in the shop, we smell the food while they're prepping it, and it just gets us ready to go. Um, and what makes them unique is they do a new menu every single week. So they are never serving the same food. I know what just the other week they had like a mango-based uh, menu. All the mangoes were picked from uh, their trees on their property, and they did all this different stuff. They do the most fantastic taco thursday that you would ever been to i mean they do a beef taco a chicken a fish and a vegetarian and a dessert taco and they're just fantastic but yeah gourmet level tacos they have have three chefs because they also are part of queen's gardens resort so they have a dutch chef they have a guy from um el salvador um they have another chef from europe so yeah quite a variety um, my second go-to restaurant that I go to here is a more casual location, uh, Long Hall Bar and Grill. Um, they're probably the easiest place to get into, and that's kind of our last minute. We got stuck somewhere, and we don't want to cook, so we're going to go there. They have great pizza, many, many, many different types of pizzas, good burgers, good pasta. Uh, they have an excellent fish, and again, they have just a chef that you would think is way, you know, when you think of like a casual bar and grill type restaurant, you wouldn't think that they have a chef, the quality that they do. 
mm-hmm. and everything is fantastic there. And my third favorite place to eat, I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball because they're a bakery. We have the most amazing bakery that is open every morning until 2.30, except on Sundays. And they're the Busy Bee. There's one up in Windward Side and one down in the bottom, and they make fantastic sandwiches. And I buy probably five loaves of bread from them a week. Um, excellent little sweet rolls. Uh, just a really awesome little bakery, but it's a nice place to get a sandwich. Yeah. I have to add to this because I'm older and I uh, like to think I have a little more refined taste as well because I'm not going out with a five and eight year old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I do have a dog, but I can also leave them at home. Uh, but there are uh, the Brigadoon restaurant has been the known restaurant for, for more than 25 years on the island. Absolute top notch. Um, Tropics Cafe is part of Juliana's Hotel. And they have, they're open normally breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and great, fantastic food from, you know, everything from sandwiches and salads to a great steak. Um, Queens Gardens Resort is the island's known luxury property, but luxury on Sabre is super affordable. It's a beautiful, beautiful property, but fantastic chef. And you can dine in a treehouse or in the birdcage, uh, like within the forest. They also have a great yoga deck. And they have the uh, renowned Duco mixologist who specializes in gin and tonics. And even if you think you don't like gin and tonic, he will make you one that you can't believe. Uh, He has 85 different types of gins, imported tonics. So this is the kind of stuff you see on this little island. And then I have to mention one more place. So the Eco Lodge is open again. And this is a place with actual cottages in the forest, which will be open hopefully within the year. But they have reopened the restaurant, so you can actually dine in the rainforest on Seba. And it's a spectacular experience. Wow. You have to walk down a wooded path to access it. Wow. So you just mentioned a few lodges and resorts there. Um, so if someone is thinking about um, coming to Seba to dive, to adventure, and hike, uh, where would you say are your top places to stay? Well, the great thing about Seba is you get what you pay for. And so, and there's something for every style and budget. So at the lower price range is El Mummo Cottages. And these are built as European style sleeping cottages, where the focus is for people who would rather spend their money on dining and diving and just need a place to sleep. They are wooden cottages with a million dollar view. Uh, so that's uh, one end of the spectrum. And at the other end of the spectrum is Juliana's Hotel and Queen's Gardens Resort, which are more in the $200 per night range. But that's how affordable Seba is. Uh, in between, we have the Cottage Club, Solera Dunya. But what also is unique to Seba is there are a number of fantastic private house rentals and villas. And this is something that CSAVE has been doing for nearly 30 years as we function as a travel agent um, because we know the properties like no one else and we have no financial interest in any of them. So we will put together a complete package and regularly just talk to people on the phone and ask what they're really interested in. Do you really wanna cook while you're here? Do you want something super private? Do you need a private pool? Uh, or do you want to be waited on and have all the luxuries of a hotel? 
Um, and a property like Juliana's actually has cottages as well as standard rooms and suites. So there's something for every taste and budget on Seba, and that's another unique uh, aspect of this island. And because of its dramatic topography, there is no place without a fantastic, just spectacular view. I mean, ocean view, even at my house where we're sitting right now, we've got a 210 degree ocean view. Wow. Oh, that sounds amazing. That's, that's like my, my favorite thing. I love looking out at the ocean. I love sunsets over the ocean. I usually don't wake up early enough to see the sunrise, but yeah, that that is my happy place. Um, it sounds absolutely incredible. So great food, affordable, uh, world-renowned diving. Uh, this sounds like the island visit. I got to mention one more thing. Another reason people really come back here is the temperature. Because everywhere you stay is at least 1,200 to 1,700 feet above sea level. So the temperatures are super comfortable. Most of us do not have air conditioning in our homes because it cools off nicely at night. And we don't normally have uh, pesky insect problems. Uh, all of the restaurants are outdoor dining or at least semi-outdoor dining. As soon as you come up from the harbor, so it's nice and hot, you know, it's nice to be hot and sunny when you're diving. But once you start making your way up from the harbor, the temperature changes and it's really very comfortable climate. So that's very interesting that you mentioned the, the altitude. So maybe after you go do a 90 foot dive, do you need to be concerned about traveling more than a, a thousand feet in altitude to go to where you're staying? It's actually a very good question. And a question has been posed by people for years. Uh, Divers Alert Network, the known gurus of the industry for safety and science, have actually come here to the island and done Doppler testing on divers at the harbor and at their accommodations after diving. And they could find no uh, significant difference. And the report for that is actually on our website. So in the diving section of our website, there is a page dedicated to that of diving in altitude. Mm -hmm. um, certainly we recommend after diving that you don't go running up the mountain or you know, do strenuous exercise, um, but it is fully addressed on that website page. Okay, fantastic. I will link to that in the show notes. Is there anything else that you'd like to add about experiencing Seba or diving Seba? Well, one thing I'll let Chad talk, but uh, there is uh, a number of unique programs. So we have a triathlon where we say even the hill, sorry, even the swim is uphill. Um, there's carnival like every island. Our carnival is taking place this week. So it's always the later part of July. But in 2003, I started a very unique program that we've won international awards for. It's called See and Learn. And that's a, a full program that runs the month of October, and we bring in scientists from around the world, and they do nighttime uh, dynamic presentations at different venues. So it's fun. You go to different places around the island, and if you enjoy that scientist and are interested in their area of expertise, you can join them on hands-on field projects. So whether that is snorkeling, diving, or hiking, all of the program is free of charge added value to come in the month of October. Well, listen to that. You 
could uh, experience some fantastic PowerPoint presentations, learn from a scientist, and then go be a part of that study underwater or above water. That sounds absolutely fantastic. And I am a sucker for a good PowerPoint presentation, let me tell you. Great. Yeah, think of a TED Talk in a tropical bar uh, at 530. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're speaking my love language right now. I, I love I love all of that. Um, I am a TED head as well. So uh, well, listeners, it sounds like this is an island you need to put on your bucket list. Now you know how to get there, how much it costs, and time to start planning that trip. Well, thank you both for joining me on Experiences That You Should Have podcast. I truly appreciate your time. Well, thank you for having us. Gail, thank you very much. We're going to hope to get you on Saba and do some live podcasting. Come on. Ah, that sounds fabulous. Well, we will have to get to planning. That's a deal. Thank you so much for listening to Experiences You Should Have. And if you want to make a difference um, for the island of Saba, there's something amazing called seeandlearn.org. S-E-A-A-N-D-L-E-A-R-N.org. And you can donate to this foundation. Uh, For over 17 years, See and Learn has provided environmental education programs to the island of Saba. And in order for this program to grow, they do need your donation. Um, So check it out, seeandlearn.org forward slash donate. There's an email on there uh, that you can reach out if you want to give today to the island of Saba in helping with the marine ecology education um, that they're, they are pouring into the kids on this island. And this is just something that that is on my heart. And I wanted to promote that here today. So definitely Give, give that a look. Uh, also, find us on Instagram, Experiences Podcast. And the one way you can help this podcast grow is share this podcast. Grab that link, share it. We also write extremely detailed show notes on experiencesyoushouldhave.com. Send the episode to a friend. Start thinking about that post-pandemic travel and where are you going next? What's on your bucket list? How can you go see and experience a beautiful island? Maybe learn to scuba dive. This this would be a great place to learn to scuba dive, especially with the, the lack of currents. They have some easy dives available, warm water, You do not want to go get certified in a 50 degree lake where you can only see one foot in front of you. Now we did talk about black water diving on this episode. If that was intriguing to you and you want to learn more, we have two black water episodes. Definitely go listen to the black water in Kona episode with Jeff Melison, who actually came out with a new Blackwater photography book. Go check it out. It's the coolest things you will 
ever see. It's my favorite dive in the world. Um, and then there's also a, a Blackwater episode on Florida where you can go do a Blackwater drift dive where you're drifting at night. Whereas the Kona one's a little bit different. You're tethered um, to the boat. So you can't go anywhere. It's actually a very easy dive. You just have to uh, get those little fears out of your head and embrace the darkness. Uh, so go check those episodes out. We have loads of scuba diving episodes on this podcast. So go check them out, whether you're thinking about diving in between tectonic plates or wreck diving in Vanuatu or diving the Galapagos. We have episodes for you. Uh, So go check them out, read the show notes, and tell me about what is coming up on your bucket list. And remember, if you want to track those bucket list ideas, check out the Bucket app. We just had the CEO of the Bucket app uh, on Experiences You Should Have podcast where he talked about his hike to Angel's Landing. Uh, So use that app. It's a free app where you can think about what is next on your bucket list? So go do experience B and tell us all about it.